Gambo. The Suns start the second half of their season on Thursday versus the Dallas Mavericks. So what should we keep an eye on the final 27 games? We'll ask our Suns insider, Kellen Olsen, at 3 today on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, it was uh, just unmitigated chaos during the break, Wolf. Now, you've seen this process I've been trying to go through, right? I, yeah, right. I explained it previous break. Yes. Found a bagel. Yeah. That Fickley and Murata left here from, from Newsmakers. Yes, okay. Newsmakers Week. So, you don't have a ton of time during the break. So, the first break was figuring out how to cut the bagel in half, right? Okay. Okay, so this past break was supposed to be toasting the bagel, and the next break is supposed to be eating the bagel. Right, exactly. So, I sprint down to the break room. Right, and I'm just like shoving people out of the way. Like I'm obviously more important. I got this bagel. You would never do that. No, but I did sprint down to the break room, um, and realized quickly I don't know how to use the toaster oven here because I've never used it before. Right, like I know how to use a toaster oven, but I don't know how to use this one. They're yeah. all different. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, I don't know how to use a toaster oven. Well, just saying. I I would like to tell you I could teach you now, but I can't. Never done it. So I set it all up, and I'm like, here we go. Well, so apparently some amateur unplugged the toaster oven. So I'm like, this doesn't, it's not getting hot. Yeah. Apparently they unplugged the toaster oven in the morning. Maybe that's a safety precaution. Maybe. <laughs> so now I so have you this, put it, the stale bagel. It wasn't, oh, my goodness. No, and you only, I mean, how long is our commercial break? Like three right. minutes? Yes. I'm like, I'm, I'm hoping you're in here, like, doing some really so extended live I, read, and you did weren't. Did you leave it there? I mean, did you? Did no, you, it's, you just, it's here. Okay, but you didn't stick it in there and, and leave it there in the toaster oven to come back the next break. No, 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 I can't do that. Yeah, I That's can't walk away from my food. No, no. I can never do when that. When it's cooking? If if I, seriously, if I take my eyes off the food, I can't eat it. Huh. That's interesting. Isn't that weird? I just felt like I couldn't use a toaster oven that I've never operated on in a major building. Right. That's what I felt like. Like, if, if, if I had this this um, plate of donuts or something like... I'm listening. I, not that I like donuts a lot. <laughs> you just eat them by the plate. I had this plate of donuts, and I put them down in front of me, I'll eat one of those donuts, okay? But if I walk away and take my eyes off it... That's it? I can't do it. Huh. I can't come back That's and interesting. eat That's interesting. Okay. I mean, what if somebody was talking over it? I never thought Especially about somebody, that. have you ever seen these loud talkers, based on onions, who come up while you're eating and they stand over your shoulder and talk, 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 talk. They're, <laughs> they're talking, bagel. you're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I literally do sometimes. I'm Okay, anyways. Yeah. I'm <laughs> you take your plate of donuts. all my secrets like, right hey, now. Excuse me, this is my plate of donuts. Yes. Don't, don't uh, talk over my plate of donuts. stop talking over my plate. <laughs> my, my plate of donuts. Uh, anyway. That's not what this segment's about. This segment is about the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, and right. And the fact there are 27 games remaining. Okay, 27 games right now. Are you kidding me? This is this is great. Is it not based on onions? you got the big three. It looks like a Bradley Beal, at least the reports that are out there, it looks like maybe he's going to be ready to go. We don't know that to, to be the case. Well, here, I got, I got a Frank Vogel cut on Bradley Beal. We got a ready to go. From this morning. Yeah, here we Excellent. go. Yeah, Brad had a procedure on his nose, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, that has been reset and uh, is is behind him. Uh, the hamstring is doing well, and um, you know we got to see how he responds to uh, yesterday's work. Uh, we'll have a practice today, uh, later today in Dallas, uh, which will really be able to to get out and test it and see how it feels. But we're hoping to have him available. What's up, tough guy? That'd be nice. What's up, tough guy? Bradley Beal, are you kidding me? Your nose is all messed up. Do you have any idea how bad it hurts? When you get hit in the nose, after you've got some type of break in the nose. I've never broken my nose. Oh, yeah. my goodness, Luke. The the pain, the screaming of the lambs. If, if, you, if you get hit in that thing again, and this guy's out there competing. 
again. With way a really to way to go, tough guy. Really weird mask too. Remember the first game? It was oh, like yeah. somebody like made it as like a school project, and they're like, "Here, let's see if Bradley Beal will wear this." Remember, it wasn't fitted or anything. He couldn't like see out of it. Can, can I tell you right now? I I would have loved to have worn a mask underneath my helmet if I could have, like a Phantom of the Opera mask. <laughs> Can you imagine this if you could make it? Somebody's going to do this at some point in time. Can you imagine if you just had this brown or this black emotionless face? That That's what I would do. I'd paint it black, Basinonians, like jet black, shiny black, and wear this mask underneath it, and it's emotionless. It has nothing on it. You should have been whatsoever. a goalie. You should Can have played hockey and better Seriously, goalie. how cool would that have been uh, to go out there and play with that? Well, the NFL would have said no, of course. That's true. And they would have told you your socks were too high or and too I'm, low. Yes, right. And by the way, we're taking $500 from your check yes. because your socks were too low. <laughs> there's, there's something that doesn't happen at every job. Or maybe it does, and it just doesn't happen here. Uh, here's Frank Vogel talking about how excited he is for these 27 games that are coming up. And every game is going to feel like a playoff game, you know. Quite frankly, you know there there are there are a ton of really good teams. Uh, we saw last year when a team like the Dallas Mavericks with Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic doesn't even make the play-in tournament. You know, just just how um, how close the, these races will become. Uh, there will be a team this year that you know has super high expectations that doesn't make the playoffs, you know, or, or doesn't make the play-in even, you know, and. Um, you know, that's why every game matters. You got to come out of the gate strong and, and win as many games as possible. You know, the competition in the Western Conference is fierce. And, uh, but it's something that we welcome. You know, I, I think, honestly, I, I think having it, uh, having it be that fierce and have these regular season games, uh, be so intense are only going to help us, uh, help prepare us for the, the playoffs and help us to have, have success during that, that run. So, you know, we, we embrace it, we welcome it, and uh, feel very confident that we're going to come out on top. You know, to his point, Wolf, it it seems like the top 10 teams in the West, whatever order they're going to be in, are, are probably the top 10 that are in there right now. So your, your playoff teams and your play-in teams. But here they are. T-Wolves, Thunder, Clippers, Nuggets, Suns, Pelicans, Mavericks, Kings, Lakers, Warriors. Would you say those are all pretty good teams? Yes. Two of them aren't even making the playoffs. Whoever those two are. Um, but I'm guessing all of those teams will be the playoff and play-in teams. But in terms of like actually being in the first real round of the playoffs, two of those teams aren't going to make it. And I'll tell you what, Golden State is the 10 seed right now. I'm not picking against them in, the, in a play-in I, tournament. I, I'm with you on that one. I, so I think they're going to make the playoffs. So I now two of too. the other nine aren't going to make the playoffs. No, I, I think you're right. Um, this is going to be dramatic, the last 27 games for the Phoenix Suns. And I do believe that it's going to tell us an awful lot about this team going into the postseason. I think we we are going to get a reasonable expectation over the next 27 games. It all depends on health. Of course, it does. It always does. But if you tell me the big three are going to play in even 23 or 24 of these games, right? All three of them are going to play. I think we're going to have a large enough sample size where we're going to look at it and say, okay, where's your expectation? for this postseason going to go? Where Where is your expectation? How do you think this is going to go for the Phoenix Suns? I think we're going to have a clear-cut image 
as to where we think this team is going to go in the postseason. I, I think I think you're right, but I think it's going to be muddled by the fact that they're playing Denver or the Clippers in the first round. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be like, you know what, this is one of the four or five best teams in the NBA, but they're playing another one of the four or five and, best teams. And I teams. should have clarified, I'm talking about expectation yeah. going into the postseason. I think we're going to have a clear-cut expectation because, of course— you never know. You still got to go do it. Uh, we come back. The new college football playoff model had to be altered because of the Pac-12. Is this going to work now going into year one next season? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Everybody, Dan Bickley here. Day three of Newsmakers is Thursday. Do not miss a minute. Join us at 6 a.m. on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, the college football playoff. We could probably pencil some of these teams in already, right, Wolf? I mean, I know the season hasn't started yet. Yeah, sorry about that, Luke. The <laughs> cough button has a little <laughs> delay to it right there. I pushed it. The light didn't come on, so I thought it was off. And then I coughed, and it was on. And then it came on. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, let's see. Maybe we can fill this out. So the 12-team the college football playoff, this is how it's going to work now. They, they finalized all this yesterday, okay? It is the five highest-rated conference champions. They get in. The five highest-rated conference champions. Yes, yeah, so it was going to be six, but then the Pac-12 uh, <laughs> dissolved itself, so yes. now we're down to five. Okay, right. So the other, the four, are we calling them the Power Four conferences yet? Has anybody worked on like the logistics of a, of a major conference so. just, I don't <laughs> think so right now. just evaporating into thin air? I know. Can you imagine? The Pac-12, no more. I'm still shocked. Every time I think about it. Um, it, it is worth pointing out. The Pac-12 will continue to operate next season, but with only two schools, yes. Oregon State and Washington State. Yes. Also known as the Pac-2. Yeah, so um, they don't get a, an automatic They're bid. playing games in the Mountain West yeah. next year. Think about that. Six games. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. Well done, guys. Um not Oregon State, Washington State. It's not their fault. It's just like it, you just get the image of like the guy in the cougar costume and the guy in the beaver costume showing up next season and being like, hey, where's everybody else? Like, what yeah, happened here? it's still the power five, but it's a little bit different because you got the SEC, you got the Big Ten, you got the Big 12, the ACC, and then you have the highest ranked group of five conference champion. Yes. Think about that. Yeah. Which I love the fact they're doing that. I love the fact they're giving the underdog an opportunity to go ball. And then there's going to be seven basically wild cards to fill it out. It was going to be six and six. Now it's five and seven because there's no Pac-12. So we can just go ahead and pencil in seven SEC schools, right? So it'll be it'll be the top five that's plus not gonna happen. seven additional SEC schools. Honestly, right now, that's where I think the most angst is going to come from. That very point right there. You've got this 12-team playoff, mm-hmm. which I absolutely love. I would have gone eight. That, to me, I thought was the better route. But still, 12? I'm not going to complain about that. You've got twelve a 12-team playoff system right now. You know what the, the argument is going to be? Not over the number one seed. Not over who's the fourth seed or the fifth, right, the way that it used to be. And that's great because it takes that discussion away. But it's going to be... Okay, how many teams from the SEC actually got in? That's going to be where all the yeah. angst, I think, is going to come from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Speaking of pushing the SEC on everybody, here's Paul Feinbaum. Finally, a good day for college football. There have been so many bad ones lately, but the idea that college football has finally gotten its act together is reason to celebrate. There are still flaws with the system. There are always going to be flaws when you allow committees to choose. The fact that Notre Dame could be the number one team in the country and be seated fifth, that's a problem. But for the most part, seven at-larges is a very good day because conferences like the SEC, the Big Ten, can get more than that one, maybe two that we've seen occasionally, especially from the SEC and the Big Ten. So overall, criticism, yes. Celebration, yes. Good day for college football. How do you feel about that, Luke? So, look, I think 12, I'm... I'm kind of like you. Like, eight would have been fine. Let's just go to eight, whatever. I don't have a problem with 12. This needs to be it, though. And, and I I mean, I hated the BCS growing up, and I, I didn't like it. You know, it's just two teams, and you're, we're voting on who the teams are. And by we, I just mean people that have very invested interests. Can I just say quickly, I look at the BCS, and I see it favorably. Because it was the beginning of actually saying, we're going to play a game for a champion. Instead of having so co-champions? Instead of exactly <laughs> having people vote who our national yeah. champion was. No, it has evolved and it's gotten better each step of the way. I'll give you that. That was better than the step before. I liked having the four-team playoff. I do think there are years, this would be one of them, this past season, where you'd be better off having more than four. I probably would have capped it at eight. Twelve is fine. I know that the the critics of this are like, well, now we're going to hear the 13th seeded school complain. Yeah, yeah, you know, but I don't care when they complain. Thank you. I compare, I, I, I care when a, when a, when a team that's undefeated doesn't make it, like Florida State, that's that's a problem. You're number five. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry, there's we only four spots. You, we couldn't get you in. You're number five. Thanks for playing, though. I know you had a better record than Alabama, but did you see Alabama right, and exactly. those, those helmets? Dude, did you see their three technique? Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about 6'4", 320, and runs a 4'8". We're going to go in a different direction yes. than you, Florida State. <laughs> so now now you've got your 12 teams. I'm trying to figure out on the fly what it would have been last year. That would have been Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama. Florida State would have gotten in. All they had to do was go undefeated. That's right. Uh, Georgia would have gotten in, and they were better than all the schools that made it, so that would have been nice because they would have won. Uh, Ohio State, Oregon, Missouri, Penn State, Ole Miss, and then I guess Liberty would have been... Liberty finished 23rd, but they would have jumped up because they were the highest-ranked group of five school. Yes, okay, the highest... Well, there you go. The, the highest-ranked group of five. Good. Put you one know in. what? Yeah, put one in. I got no problem with that. The underdog, the ultimate underdog, put him in there. Got no problem. And if you're number 13, sit down and shut your mouth. Okay? You're number 13. That couldn't agree more. That was, to me, the lamest argument back when people were saying, hey, Maybe Sorry. maybe four teams isn't enough. You always had one guy on on X that was like, "Well, we'll be complaining if forty two teams." What <laughs> about the? That's four? right. No, I don't care. I don't care that Oklahoma wouldn't have gotten in last year. Oklahoma <laughs> did, don't lose so many games. But that's if a team's right. undefeated and doesn't get in, there's a flaw with the system. Yes, sit down and be quiet. Uh, here's Heather Dinich talking more about the format. One thing college football fans need to prepare themselves for is the fact that they could be following a top four team. Let's just go back to 2021, for example. How about Georgia as the SEC runner-up to Alabama 
the committee's number three team on selection day and Georgia gets the fifth seed. That's how this is going to work because as you mentioned, the four highest ranked conference champions get a first round bye. So that is like, that's a significant divide between four and five. Not one that, not one you complain about like Florida State would have this year uh, of just not even getting a chance. But that's a significant drop off, which is why I, I yeah. am a little surprised they jumped all the way to 12. Because if you just said, hey, it's one through eight, then everybody plays in the first round of the, of the, the playoff. Now it's like, if you're number four, you get a, you basically get to advance to the second round. Yeah, you, you do. But once again, so what? You're number five? <laughs> just go. Just you get to play. You get the opportunity. If you win all your games and you're number five, you're going to win the national championship. Yeah. You're going to win it. See, this, this is all I care about. I, I get it. The buy is a big deal. That's a big deal. And, and I'm not saying there isn't any advantage in having a buy. I will also say that there might be some disadvantage to having a buy when you're talking about a bunch of college kids as well. Just saying, for me, I, I don't care. Uh, I, I don't, I just, you're going to have a game, win the game. Play the game and win. Beat your opponent fair and square on the field. You've got nothing to complain about at that point in time. Nothing. So what? You didn't get a bye. Go beat your opponent. The having the group of five school in there, I think, is is so key, and I'm glad they at least did that because you you allow for the possibility of a Cinderella story. Even yes. if that team doesn't win the whole thing, maybe they take out somebody good. You eliminate the. UCF walking around printing. Hey, did you hear that we're the national champions? Like, okay, cool, yeah. good for you. But now, now UCF in that position would actually get what they deserve—a chance to go out and beat Alabama or whoever. And then if they don't, they don't get to print T-shirts calling themselves national champions. Exactly right. Yeah, go win a game. And if they do, then they get to prove <laughs> what they were saying all along. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. When we come back, the NFL draft two months away. Are teams overlooking Malik Neighbors? That seems to be a storyline that's already building. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, I can't stand to look at you now. Hey, it's Vince Murata. Join us Thursday. Newsmakers Week continues with some of the biggest names in Valley sports, including Cardinals GM Monty Fort, Josh Bartlestein from the Suns, Derek Hall from the D-backs, and Jerry Colangelo. It starts at 6 here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Stay when you think you want me. Pray when you need advice. Well, we, we knew at some point some other receiver was going to start to make a move up these uh, draft boards, right? Or at least these uh, mock draft boards. Yeah. And it seemed like actually right at the end of the this, the football season that it was going to be Roma Dunze. And we saw, I think it was actually, it was Lance Zerline, I think, had them taking. I think he had the Cardinals taking Odunze. Um, and then we had the Chad Reuter mock last week where they traded down to 12 and took Malik Neighbors. Then we had the mock yesterday from Daniel Jeremiah where he just had the Cardinals taking neighbors at four. It yeah. seems like neighbors is the one that's starting to move up, which is interesting because no games have been played. Yeah, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong on this, but didn't Lance Zerline actually have Marvin Harrison Jr. going number three yeah, to the Patriots? Did. And that's yeah. why. Okay. And then Malik Neighbors, right? Going four. Is that what you said? I thought he had the Cardinals taking Odunze. I'll double check uh, oh, that. Okay. No, no, you're right about that. Okay. You are. Odunze, yes. 
because it reminded me of Larry Fitzgerald. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, his 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 stature, his measurables, it reminded me of Larry Fitzgerald. That's the reason why I'm thinking about that. But Malik Neighbors has been climbing up draft boards as of late. Yeah, and this is Matt Miller yesterday talking about Neighbors and the Cardinals. Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver from Louisiana State, is right there with Marvin Harrison. I. I wrote in my post-senior bowl mock draft. I talked to three teams at that time uh, who had neighbors ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. So that doesn't mean that when we get to April 25th that, you know, the Arizona Cardinals are going to take Malik neighbors over Marvin Harrison Jr. But I think it's more of a conversation than a lot of people have, have maybe considered at this point that because neighbors is the most dangerous receiver in college football in terms of what he can do yards after catch. When the ball's in his hands, he is a difference maker. And for some teams, that might be more enticing than the you know kind of polish and size of Harris. Maybe yep. for some teams. Yep. I said this yesterday, Wolf. Malik yep. Neighbors may very well have a better career than Marvin Harrison Jr. This is not like we're we're looking at the twenty fifth receiver in this draft and saying, "Hey, you never know." Like Neighbors is probably two. It, it's one of those three, right? Most likely. But I'd rather have Marvin Harrison Jr. on the Cardinals. A because I do still think he's he's better. But B because I think he's a better fit for the Cardinals as well. It goes back to what you were saying yesterday. At a certain point, you have to draft. What is going to work on your team too, yeah, right? right? And it's not like neighbors wouldn't, but neighbors is six foot and really fast. And this is going to get interesting because when they run the combine in like a week or two, I know I cannot wait for that. He's going to run really fast. He's going to move up boards even more. Neighbors is, but I'd still rather have Harrison specifically for the Cardinals. Yeah, you know, listen, Malik Neighbors is a four four guy for the most part by all accounts. Um, he might run. Faster than that at the combine. I know that when you focus on it, this is something that I did as well. When you focus on that 40 and how they're going to time you on that 40, man, you can work with professionals to get your start down to actually you can you can go and run your best time possible. And maybe Malik Neighbors is going to do that. Um, it's not like he's known to be a 4-2-5 guy. He's known to be a 4-4 guy. For the most part. And that's okay. Some guys actually run faster in games than than they do on a clock. They actually, they, they do that. Jerry Rice? Jerry Rice would be a classic example of that. And Quan Bolden would be another classic example of that. Maybe Malik Neighbors is going to be that guy as well. He is, I think, better with the ball after the catch than Marvin Harrison Jr. But everything that leads up to the catch is why I want the Cardinals to take Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, it goes back to what you, you've been saying all along, too. Kyler Murray is short. He is for a quarterback, for an NFL quarterback. We just watched what it what it does for him to have a 6'4 target like Trey McBride. How about you get him another one? And, and again, with Marvin Harrison Jr., I don't want to like strain this conversation into something it isn't. You're not drafting him because he's 6'4". It's not like, hey, this Correct. guy's a project, Correct. but he's 6'4". No, he's probably the best. He's being considered one of the best receiving prospects in the last decade, and he happens to be 6'4". Yes. Yes. Exactly right. That is that is the best way to say it right now. Again, I, I think that's the reason why you're looking at this and you need to take the skill set that you're seeing and you need to apply it to your team. It's what will this guy do for the Arizona Cardinals? Now, once again, listen, um, can I just say, Basin Orleans, that I, these scouts, all they do, Luke, all they do is watch tape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they watch tape and they, they, they're professionals. 
They scout these kids. They ask questions about these kids. If they're good at their job, they know so much more about each prospect than we'll ever know, period. And they've had experience as well where suddenly they can take any prospect and they can stick them into a context called experience where they've actually been doing this for maybe 10, 15 years. This is how they make their living. I trust these guys to know what they're doing. And I would say the same thing about Monty Ossenford. I I trust him. I think... I think the Arizona Cardinals hit a home run with this guy. I do. I, I, I know it's only been one year, but just being around him and the appreciation that he has for, for the game and for playing the game in a physical, hard way, I think he understands it, and I think he's bringing it back with JG. We'll see. But Marvin Harrison Jr., if he's there at four, I'm going to be shocked if the Arizona Cardinals don't draft him again. Nobody's told me that over there. They may think he's a clown, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. Don't you want to know who those three teams are that Matt Miller's talking about? Hey, three teams told me they take Malik Neighbors over. Now, what I would say is chances are those three teams aren't in position to take Malik Neighbors over Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, I can't see... I can't see a team that's actually going to do that saying they're going to do it. Yeah. Now, maybe the Cardinals or somebody like the Cardinals isn't going to do that, so they told him they would. I mean, yes. we're into that part of the year right. now, right? Yep. Just lie to guys like Matt Miller. Here you go. This is it right there. Did you hear that, Basin Orleans? What Luke just said. Here, draft subterfuge. We're never going to sit there and provide you with accurate information. Why would we do that? Name one reason why we would do that to give out any information to anybody that is going to be accurate going forward. How does it help us and our cause? It doesn't. This is why this this time of year and leading up, and it only gets worse, the closer to the draft you get, it, 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 it just gets brutal at that point in time. Why in the world are we going to tell you anything? Now, am I going to tell you I like this kid? Yeah, I love this kid, and I love that kid right there. And There's no doubt about it, but draft subterfuge is real, and they use it. Good general managers know how to use it. It's going to ramp up with the combine. It's going to ramp up, like you said, as we get closer to the, the draft. And what you have to remember with Marvin Harrison Jr. in particular he has nowhere to go but down over the next two yeah. months. You know what I mean? Not not that he's going to have a bad combine or that he's suddenly not going to be a good prospect, but in terms of the narrative around him coming out of the season, based on what he's done the last two years in college football, pretty almost unanimously considered the top receiving prospect. And by a lot of people, maybe the top prospect in this draft behind Caleb Williams. But there's still two more months to the draft. So all we're going to hear at a certain point is, Hey, Malik Neighbors might mm-hmm. be as good. Maybe he's better. Hey, Romo Dunze might be better than both of them. Hey, remember Malik Neighbors' uh, teammate at LSU? Maybe he's better than all of them. Yes. And all of a sudden, you're going to, you, I guarantee you, and I'm going to absolutely bring it up the day it happens. There's going to be a mock draft out there at some point in the next two months that has Marvin Harrison Jr. as the third receiver off the board. I guarantee you. Yes. Now, it might not be a reputable yes. one. It might be like Dan's LSU this guy told podcast. Me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, All right, we come back. If the Suns are going to do what they have set out to do this season, 
The chemistry between Devin Booker and Kevin Durant is going to be right at the center of it. We'll get into all that, and you'll hear what KD had to say about that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I get those goosebumps every time you come around, yeah. It's Gambo. The Suns start the second half of their season on Thursday versus the Dallas Mavericks. So what should we keep an eye on the final 27 games? We'll ask our Suns insider Kellen Olsen at 3 today on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I get those goosebumps every time, yeah, when you're not around. It really is like the calm before the storm, isn't it? This is yesterday and today are kind of like the two days where if you're a sports fan in the Valley, you can kind of let your emotions rest for a little bit, right? Because the Suns start up tomorrow, and it's not just a start-up game against like Orlando. It's against Luka and the Mavericks. And then the Diamondbacks get going, you know, for spring training at least on Friday. And it, it, there's no looking back for the Suns once they throw that ball up in the air tomorrow. It's going to be so cool to watch this, man. It really is. Here it is, the big three. When we heard of the fir- of the big three for the first time, what did you think, right? What what were you thinking, Basin audience? We were all wondering, how, how are they going to play together? How are they going to play together? Well, we got a little glimpse in the last 26 games of how they were going to play together. Now, I know they didn't play all 26 games, yet at the same time, we got a large enough sample size where we're just starting to see some of the goodness form, some of the goodness gel between the big three. We're, we're wondering about, okay, what, how are they going to play? What is it going to be like? Over the next 27 games, Lord willing, <laughs> hoping that they get the opportunity to be exposed to each other over that number or amount of games. To me, I think we're going to get our answer going into the postseason. I think we're going to have a real expectation as to how good this team could possibly be going into the postseason. We'll see. Yeah, that's an interesting point because if you ask me what my expectation is for the Phoenix Suns this season, I'm still going to say championship. You built your team to win a championship. You you went all in on winning a championship. And it's not just that. You have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal. Yeah. You need to be in the on the very short list of teams that can win a championship when all is said and done. But I'm going to acknowledge the fact that over the course of the first half of the season, it was kind of like, okay, I think they're a good team. I think they could take any team out in a playoff series, but are they you know, and I'm talking like two months ago now, are they capable of winning four straight rounds going through right. The Clippers and Denver and Oklahoma City and Boston. Like, that's a that's a run. If you're going to make whoever comes out of the West is going to be beat up this year. Can I honestly right now, um, and this is no disrespect whatsoever to Devin Booker, to Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal. No disrespect at all, Basin audience. But I think over this next 27 games or 26 games, no, 27 games over the next 27 games. I think there's a lot to prove. I, I do, especially on the defensive end of the floor. I, I want to see them grow and evolve and get better on the defensive end of the floor. Dare I say go out and win a game because of the defense that is being played. That's what I want to see. And if they do that, then all of a sudden my expectation will go to a championship level expectation. But right now, I don't think they play good enough defense to beat somebody when they absolutely have to on the defensive end of the floor. You asked what uh, what your reaction was when you heard about the big three. I remember I was in a restaurant 
on a beach in San Diego when they got Bradley Beal. <laughs> of course you were you were on a beach. Well, Luke I wasn't in Barbados. Man of leisure. But uh, when they got Bradley Beal, I just remember being like, well, they really got Bradley Beal. <laughs> like, that Ishby is not messing around. Bradley Beal. It is. But again, um, you know, I, I've talked about this a lot. Talent and toughness. Talent and toughness. Toughness and talent. You need it all. A blend of it all. And right now, they need to show me that toughness. And that toughness comes on the defensive end of the floor. Well, one of the biggest uh, assets they could have is the chemistry between Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. And, you know, remember, KD was talking about Booker before. It was the year one. I think it was Booker was a rookie. And KD was like, yeah, this is, this is a guy. It feels like people always ask KD, like, okay, who's going to be, who's like the next wave? And they did back then, and he said Devin Booker, and he didn't hesitate. And that's obviously why Kevin Durant's here is because he wanted to play alongside Devin Booker. Uh, but he was asked on that boardroom cover story that we referenced earlier if there's anything he didn't know about Booker, that he's learned about Booker since he got here. His mentality, when it's time to hunt and to kill, he's all about that. And he doesn't let up either. And I've never seen somebody, uh, well, I've seen it before, but playing on the team with somebody, you look up in the first quarter, he can easily get 25 to 30 points in the first quarter quickly like that. But just his mentality to go score the ball is something I underestimated. I didn't truly know it was uh, was at this level. Mentality, man. (laughs) See, this is the theme of the show, is it not? Mentality. It's what lies within, Luke. That's what he's talking about. Devin Booker's got all this talent, yet it is the toughness part of the equation that Kevin Durant is looking at right now and talking about in a very flattering kind of way. And do we think he's just piling on? Do we think he's he's lathering on this? Per- no. It is what we know about Book. It's how he is. The mentality is what makes him different. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the playoffs. And I know we saw Katie and Booker, uh, you know, on the same team in the playoffs last year. Uh, but I think it's different this year, right? I mean, there, there yeah. was there was kind of this thought last year, like, whoa, okay, <laughs> got Durant, and the playoffs are here, and nobody's played together yet, and now here's Denver. I think this year the expectations are you're you're going through the first round, you're going through the second round, you're going through the third round, right? I mean, that's that should still be the expectation for this team. But Durant has been there and he's done it before. It's not like he does it every year, but he's done it a couple times. He's kind of been the guy leading the way for this team this season. Not like Booker hasn't done his part. Don't get me wrong. He's 62-point game, a couple 40s. Yeah, right. <laughs> but we get in the playoffs and, like, you talk about what KD was just talking about right there with just that, like, relentless, not going to let up. Booker doesn't have a ring. So when we get into the playoffs, that's going to be the guy. Bradley Beal doesn't either. But Booker doesn't, and this is his team, and he has lost in just heart-wrenching fashion in the playoffs before. So anytime the Suns are in the playoffs with Devin Booker, how he reacts in the playoffs is still going to be the top story for me. I don't know if you have another cut you want to play right here, but honestly, I just want to say it again. He could have said anything about Book. Yeah, just think of all the different places he could have gone right there. What is it that you really didn't maybe know? Well, but you know what? I didn't know how... Uh, how determined he was, you know what I mean? It was he, and he went right to mentality, his mentality, and that's what I love. That's what we all love about book the mentality. Go out and play with that mentality. Does it, it strike you as ironic at all that of all the athletes in the valley right now, you think more like Kevin Durant than any of them, or he thinks more like you? Yeah. Would you agree with that? What do you mean? Just like, like KD? There's stuff that KD says, says if that you just, I agree with. Yeah. Oh. Like if you just handed me the quote from Kevin Durant, you didn't say who it was from. 
and be like, oh, yeah, Wolf would say that. You meant you meant me personally. Yes, you personally. <laughs> I thought you meant you as a, no, no. you know, you out there. No, not the collective you, okay. the collective wow. Wolf. You know, honestly, yeah, I think you're right on that. KD, I, I already recanted on this, how wrong I was about Kevin Durant and his passive-aggressive ways. <laughs> okay, how wrong I was on that. And the stand-up guy that he appears to be, I was so dead wrong and listening to him the the deep thinker this guy is and the humility that he brings to the table makes you it fills you with love when you when you know the talent that he has and is blessed with and yet he'll bring you this kind of thoughtful approach to everything that he does i wow uh, here's Frank Vogel on Newsmakers Week this morning with Bickley Murata talking about that chemistry between Booker and Katie. I think there's just a, a, a great deal uh, of appreciation for each other's game, first and foremost. You know, I, I think that's where it, it always begins with, uh, you know, chemistry between your stars. And, um, you know, those guys have the utmost respect, uh, you know, for each other. Obviously, they're, they're different phases of their career and, and KD. Uh, looks at Devin as one of the best young players in the league, and 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 Book looks at KB as one of the greatest ever to do it. You know, and somebody that he he watched when he was a high schooler growing up. So I think the appreciation is at the, the highest possible level. And then when you have two guys that really connect the way they have off the basketball court, you know, I think it uh, it, it just strengthens even further. And you know, just another reason why we have a, a great deal of belief of what we can do this year. I get those goosebumps every time. <laughs> Right? I mean, <laughs> you do get those goosebumps when you listen to that right there. I, I, I don't know, man. Um, hopefully these, these guys are going to continue to lead this team down the road they need to go. And this is the reason why I'm really, really excited about the last 27 games, Royce O'Neal. What kind of impact he's truly going to have. Yusef Nurkic turning into a more physical player down the stretch. Sometimes I worry about his injury situation, of course, but you know what? You can't. It's just, you're, you'd be worried about everybody yeah. on the At this floor point, if that's it. Here we right? go, yeah. And Thaddeus Young, who had finished signing his week-long uh, contract. that he it, not, not like a week-long contract with the team. It took him a week to sign the contract with the team. Now he's officially signed with the Phoenix. How Lens. much better can they get on the nasty end of the floor? That's what I want to know. Uh, you need to come up with a nickname for Thaddeus, too. You got time. You, you have to watch his first game, at least. Okay. Uh, coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.